This is the best of two pros in a cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. If you were one of those people who were skeptical as to whether or not the Cliff Kingsbury-Kyler Murray pairing was going to work years ago, and you've been telling everybody there's no chance, it doesn't make any sense, Cliff didn't do squat in college, and Kyler Murray's too small. Um, Last night, Brady Quinn was exhibit A as to why you feel like you have a legitimate argument in being right uh, thus far in the Cliff-Kyler experiment. I know, congratulations to the Rams, but in the words of the great Ben Maller, the uh, story is in the losing locker room sometimes and it felt like that was a rough one last night for Arizona I believe the word is uh, vindication Uh, (laughs) those individuals who have called this for quite some time about the Arizona Cardinals Cliff Kingsbury Kyler Murray uh, they're vindicated based on what happened last night and it reminded me of like one of those old examples of, you know, you look at half the roster for the Cardinals, they hadn't had any playoff experience. And say what you want about Matt Stafford's playoff experience, he'd been there. He may not have won a playoff game, but he had been there before. A bunch of other players, and in particular the coaching staff for the LA Rams, had been to a Super Bowl. They had been there before. So that became very apparent. And also it almost was as if, and, and we had said this maybe a, a few weeks back about the Rams. If that roster can play as dominant as they looked last night moving forward, which they're capable of, they do have some stars, and those stars are then surrounded by players who, like a Cam Akers, could be a budding star, a guy who came back from an Achilles tear within six months. How absurd is that? But if you, if you look at Matt Stafford and he's surrounded by Cooper Cup and OBJ and these other weapons that they're going to utilize and then other complementary pieces like Higby and Akers and then their defense with Donald, Donald and, and then you've got Jalen Ramsey coupled with other guys who've stepped up. Von Miller's all of a sudden now. I think he's got a sack. Is it in five of the last six games? I mean, yeah. they're all starting to turn it on at the right time. And even though it didn't look pretty for Stafford necessarily down the stretch – Outside of their last loss to the San Francisco 49ers, they'd won five straight before that. And, and maybe this is that kind of hot team as they go into the playoffs. And, and they had to play in the super wild card round, if you will, like the Tampa Bay Bucks last year. It's a scary thing to think about that, especially for you, Jonas, because I know you're going to be upset about all the L.A. Ram ball washers there in L.A. Yeah, it's a bit much. They're going to be excited about that moving forward. Yeah, a lot, a lot of Insty fans out here. All of a sudden, they they realized, oh God, there's professional football in Southern California. Right. Yeah, a lot of yeah, putting a scarf on, walking yeah. around. I've always been good. a Rams fan. Look at my scarf. Yeah. All right, Stan Kroenke gave it to me. Scarves. I got it in the game once. By the they way. look pretty good. I'll tell you that. Had scarfs on or whatever you want to call it, they look pretty good. Uh, you, you know what I took away from last night's game? You have to take a look at the fact that we throw around great greatness so easily so loosely at times and I don't want to preface that by saying that that Kyler Murray was not great in the beginning part of this season but at one point he was leading the race for MVP of the league and this was arguably maybe not arguably it was the hottest team in the National Football League what we saw take place a lot of of quarterbacks 
in their younger stages have gone through, they get a rude awakening as to why we call the real great ones great. You want to know why we call Tom Brady great? Because he's able to do it on this stage. You want to know why we call Aaron Rodgers great? Because he's able to do it on this stage. Matthew Stafford took a definitive step last evening in that game and putting himself in the conversation of can we can we move towards just you know not just saying that he's got really really strong arm talent and you know he's he's done all he can do when he was in Detroit and 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 go from there and say we really are now able to see the greatness in Matthew Stafford is is he going to continue down that path i think that that is he opened up the conversation. I mean, he was amazing in that game last night. On the other hand, you look at Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray, his eyes were open so wide. Cliff Kingsbury, his eyes were open so wide in this game. Because if you've never played in a playoff game, you really, really don't understand the magnitude of the energy and how much it goes up from a regular season game. It's different. And you're talking about guys with, with playoff experience. There are a ton of guys that were, were on that, that, you know, that team for the Rams last night that have playoff experience. Some have Super Bowl experience. Some have won Super Bowls. So – I I think last night was a rude awakening. I'm not going to go as far as to say Kingsbury and and Murray are not possibly a a good match to be able to have success. However, I will say they got to walk away knowing that you are far from as good as you thought you were. I, I would say that. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals head coach, spoke after the brutal loss there in L.A. Tough against a really good team. There's no doubt. I thought Stafford once again was efficient, didn't make any mistakes. Um, Sean did a great job mixing up the play calling. And so, when you get behind and, and uh, we were kind of playing on our heels at times, offensively and defensively, it just makes it tough to to right the ship. There's only one way to experience playoff football, and that's to go through it. And unfortunately, we we didn't you know play our best game. And, and I thought LA played a great game, had a great plan, and and outplayed us and outcoached us. Um, but I think you just got to go through these moments and learn from it and grow from it. And uses motivation. Uh, I don't well, think there you go. I don't think that they're going to uh, move on from Cliff Kingsbury. But there's been a lot of that uh, those rumblings, uh, especially while the game was going on. Uh, they've talked to the late season collapses have been a thing that have been a talking point for a while now. I don't think they move on. Uh, you know, he's 500 as a coach. They've shown improvement every single year that he's been there. But I do feel like this upcoming season, that's going to be the one. This, this is going to be it. make or break time for Cliff and Kyler. I think that's the nail on the head. Is is this season? was progress and I think the problem is is when you get to 10 and 2 and then you fall apart the way they did in the second half of the season it it allow it leaves more questions than anything else moving forward and so the question really becomes you know how different would this game been or even you know towards the end of the season if they if they had DeAndre Hopkins clearly you know we understand how important he is to the passing game of this team you know, he is their go-to guy. He's the guy they like to isolate, move around five you know, different ways of getting touches. And it seemed like when Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins went through that little injury stretch, and they were bitten by the injury bug. We have to acknowledge yeah. that. 
but it seemed like this team lost a huge piece of their offense, and they never really were able to adapt and overcome it. And, and I wonder if next year, if Hopkins can stay healthy, but if that's more of a question, because otherwise, what, what else does this roster need moving into next season? I mean, I, I don't look at their roster when healthy and say, man, I, I think there's a glaring need here or there or somewhere else. I mean, they've got some guys who are becoming free agents. Zach Ertz will become a free agent, but, you know, amongst some others. But the reality is this team doesn't need a ton. I, I guess maybe say more depth. It's just – it makes you think that moving into next year, if they can't get past the mark that they set this year, it's going to look like a disappointment. And they're going to say maybe they've hit their ceiling. And I think that's going to be the question mark then for Cliff Kingsbury, but also for Kyler Murray. Because as dynamic as Kyler Murray can be, there is kind of that thought that if it wasn't Cliff Kingsbury as his head coach, would it have made sense? Would it have been a perfect fit for those two paired together with one another? The other thing I'll just go back and say is, look, Stafford was efficient last night. I don't know they played great through 17 passes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think the biggest thing last night was going into the game, what Sean McVay did that made all the difference in the world is there wasn't any pressure on his shoulders. They took that off by running the football. Sony Michelle with an early big run. All of that alleviated so much pressure on him. And I think the way the defense played early – it took away all that pressure on his shoulders, and it allowed him to then say, all right, I just need to operate the offense, and we'll be just fine. I, I, I don't know that – I'm not that down on Kingsbury, and I'm not that down on, on Kyler Murray. I, I mean, I look at, I look at what, what's happening in Baltimore. And, and, and if I'm looking at Baltimore, I'm like, uh, you know – I know Harbaugh won a Super Bowl, and that maybe gives him the credibility that he needs, but I don't feel like they're so different than what Arizona is right now, today, with what they have. You're looking at a guy that is a bona fide star and Lamar Jackson who can't get that far in the playoffs with Harbaugh. And and so to me, when I look at this team, I think I think Cliff hit it on the head is until you experience playoff football, you don't really know what it is that you're getting yourself into as a coach. And if you if you're a player that hasn't played in it as a player. And I think that this was an educational experience for them. I'm not down on them to say that he only has next year. I think he's done an excellent job of getting this team back on its feet to be competitive um, since them not being as competitive as they were during those those years where they were making a run to the to the Super Bowl. So to me, I'm not as down on them as, as that. I think that this was a step in the right well, direction. Don't, don't forget, Harbaugh won a Super Bowl, and they were way more successful. Like, like Cliff Kingsbury at this point with Kyler Murray is a 500 coach, and he's a 500 quarterback with Murray. I get it. But what were they so, before he that, got that job, though? Well, that's the problem is they'd been to Super Bowls, right? They had been there before. They had been competing for an AFC championship. So there has kind of been a standard there. If we want to compare it to Steve Wilkes, that was one year. Before, the problem with when they fired Steve Wilkes was they literally said, hey, this is something that just we're not accustomed to. And so that's what, I, that's what I'm concerned by or worry about is the organization has higher standards even than what this season was or even the progress that they've made from year one to year three. If they they don't, might need to be a little bit more realistic in expectations because people move on way too quickly. 
You know, I think that sometimes it's just that the culture is just becoming move on from a coach, move on from a player way too quickly. You got to allow to see if guys are going to develop coaching and players. And I think that that's where it's comparable to Baltimore, even though he does have the credibility of winning. I agree well, with that. He's still won a lot more games even since Lamar's yeah, gotten there. I, well, that's fair. But, again, I, I think that they're going in the right direction as a team. If I'm the Arizona Cardinals, you made it into the tournament. Now you got to figure out how you finish out the seasons better than what you are. And then you got to you got to play better than what you did last night. But I don't know that, you, you know, there's a lot of coaches that are sitting at home that weren't in the tournament. And, and, and you got to take a look at the fact that some of them are really good coaches as well with some really good players, and they didn't even make it into the playoffs. And Baltimore was one of those teams. So I, I just think that it's, it, it's hard for me to comprehend saying, like, he's got one more year and he got him into the tournament. Or, you know, Kyler isn't what we thought he is because they got their heads kicked in in the, in the first round of the playoffs. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not that down on it. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Maybe not the biggest surprise in the world, uh, but the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, yes, I almost said Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders decided to move on from GM Mike Mayock after three seasons with the team yesterday. Uh, He was fired. Uh, The search is already underway. Uh, Rich Bisaccia apparently will still be considered for the head coaching gig, but they are uh, currently looking at other candidates also. Uh, But Mike Mayock done in Las Vegas. And uh, what the hell do I know? But I don't really think Mike Mayock was given the best opportunities to succeed there. Uh, It felt like he kind of had to deal with the mess that was left by John Gruden. I think Gruden had ultimate power and control there in Vegas. But nonetheless, uh, here we are. The Raiders are looking for a new general manager moving forward. So, I mean, I'll go a step further and say I I know for a fact that's the case. And and here's the hard part about the, you know, letting go of Mike Mayock where he's not re-signed. When you look at the draft picks that the Raiders had, they had top 100 picks, all of these guys. You know, Alex Leatherwood, Trayvon Morig, um, Divine Diablo, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, Lynn Bowden, Brian Edwards, Tanner Muse, Cleveland Farrell, who was probably one of the most controversial ones at the DN position who was taken in the top five. Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abram, Trayvon Mullen. You know, all those guys were top 100 picks. And if you were an NFL team, you look at the opportunity to take players in the top 100 you're saying these guys are going to come in to be difference makers they're going to be potentially day one starters and at a minimum contribute on special teams and impact it some of the guys i just mentioned were first round picks that aren't even on the roster and the reality is it was john gruden who had the final say who made the decision many times in selecting those players and and even some of the free agent acquisitions and how he constructed the team it's one of the reasons why when you heard that antonio brown video that he put together and made it to probably one of the kind of the dopest like rap song ever is what he would to say <laughs> oh, about him. No. Very dramatic. Oh, but no. whose voice was it? It was John Gruden he was talking to. It was John Gruden who was pleading with him to say, do you want to play football? And, and that's where this whole thing comes to a head is it was ultimately John Gruden had to say on all of it. And so that, that's the tough position I think Mike Mayock was in. I think he's a, a good evaluator, general manager. Uh, he was put in an extremely tough position, and, and he did the best they could. And I think once Gruden was removed from the picture, did you notice how there was a zero-tolerance policy with any of these players' issues on the outside? Yep. 
it was Damon Arnett or Henry Ruggs or anyone else you want to throw in the category, I mean, it was like, nope, done, over. We're not even waiting to find out details. Done. Not a part of this team. Over. So it, this is the tough part about it. He was put in, a, in a, an incredibly tough spot, but he knew the man he married. You know what I'm saying? Like, he knew what he was getting himself into. And, and for them to move on or decide, hey, we're not going to re-sign him, the truth is, it, and even for Ritz Basaccia, it's probably what Mark Davis should do, at least moving forward, is make sure he has the chance to go interview every potential GM candidate, every potential head coaching candidate, and not see if they can get better and not see if they can do better. It's one of 32 jobs. It's a, it's a roster that overachieved this year, and I think they definitely have building blocks and pieces. But if you're any NFL franchise, I think you have to exhaust all efforts every offseason to improve at every single spot. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to have a chance of winning a Super Bowl. So it, as much as it pains me to say, because I think Mike Mayock was put in an incredibly tough position, I do think this is what Mark Davis should be doing moving forward, and that includes Rich Passaccia as far as they're going out and finding if they can find a better head coach to come in and do the job uh, if, they, if they can find that in their, in their interviews. <laughs> Take this, uh, riddle, riddle me this one, Batmans. Uh, they're already requesting Dave Ziegler. All right, do, do we know who Ziegler is? Patriots. Yeah, up in New England. <laughs> yeah. And Gerard Mayo. It, it, it yeah. will never, it yeah. will never cease to amaze me the infatuation that people have with New England, and and I understand that they have built an amazing organization and franchise there with tremendous success, greatest coach of all time in, in, in the NFL ranks, greatest quarterback of all time, greatest teams of all time. I, I, I understand people are kind trying to construct in that in that manner. But again, that I, I think that what we're missing here, what people are missing is it, it, it would be like it would it would be like me trying to create I don't know being being someone else and approaching everything the same exact way that they do using the same exact people but I'm me I'm not I'm not them like in other words Mark Davis is not isn't is not Kraft he's not Robert Kraft. And, and and I think that when you look at what people continuously try to do, the trap that they're falling into is you're trying to construct being an all-time great organization, but you're not doing it with your own understanding, your own personality. You're doing it with somebody else's. So to me, that already says – if I, I mean, and, and this is just me putting it like I'm just shooting from the hip. You're already about to make another mistake. If, if we want to call Gruden and Mayock a mistake, if that's that, I mean, which it seems like that it was a debacle, obviously, the way it ended. But I just don't understand why people continue to chase the the myth or the legend of the New England Patriots. You have to build the business based off of what your DNA is, not someone else's. And I understand going out, listen, Nike will used to go take people from Under Armour. Under Armour used to or take Adidas. people from Nike, right? Adidas, this, that. I understand Adidas. you take, yeah, there you go. I, I understand cool. taking, there you go. I understand taking people 
from organizations to improve. <laughs> yep, why not? I mean, I understand that. Reebok, you know, if we want spot built. How about that? L.A. Um, gear. <laughs> L.A. gear. Come on, man. <laughs> Didn't didn't Patrick Ewing have an LA gear shoe? I think he no, that did. was Carl that was Carl Malone. Oh, who had Converse. <laughs> Con- Converse. Converse. All stars. I'm just saying, oh. you can never Converse could never win trying to be Nike. Adidas could never win trying to be uh, uh, Under Armour. Under Armour tried to be Nike and they fell flat on their faces. And and to me, you have to do it in a way where you trust who you are. You know who he should pattern what he's doing, Mark Davis? After his dad. And I know this is a new era. I know this is a new generation. I see Mark Davis at fights all the time in Vegas. And he's one of the coolest dudes in person. Like, he don't look cool by, by parents. Like, you see him on TV, this, that, and the other. But in person, dude is like a really dope dude. And really, like, like, in culture. So bring that, bring, bring that element to what you're doing. I, I think that sometimes we get so caught up in the fossil-like approach to everything. It's like, this is the process. This is how it has to work. This is the person it has to be. It has to be a person from this. No, it really doesn't. Times are changing. Things are changing. People are changing. If you're around people in the, in the sports industry or even in, in the world in general every day, you realize that they're different. They're different. Like these dudes I, I coach now and I'm around from when we played, they're just different dudes. Like, And when I say they're different, they are different. And you have to meet people. You have to hire people who can go where they are. And understand who they are. Because if you understand who they are and you can meet them where they're at, then you give yourself the opportunity to make the best decisions personnel-wise. And that personnel is going to pay dividends. And that's what people need to be thinking in these scenarios. I mean, I just I go back to the, uh, to the Mayock uh, situation and I go... If if I'm a uh, if I'm somebody around the league and I'm seeing how this whole thing was handled, uh, I I don't know that that I want to have a real conversation with that organization because there was rumblings that Mayock was going to get clipped during the draft. I guess people that work for Mayock found out on social media, like they didn't they, they didn't they didn't tip anybody off. I I just. I understand Mark Davis. I know he's got the lineage. I know Al Davis. Like, I loved Al Davis. He, he was a rebel. Uh, you talk about somebody who had issues with the league. Al Davis was one of them. I, I just don't know that this is the play, especially in that division with how much talent is in that division with the potential of a, of a stud quarterback maybe coming into Denver. They feel like this could be closer to a rebuild than them taking the next step. And so whoever's signing up for that gig, pay close attention to whatever the hell happened between Reggie McKenzie, Mike Mayock, and John Gruden, and just ask yourself whether or not you want to be a part of that. Don't you feel like, though, that was a part of John Gruden's desire when he got there to have a general manager that he could oversee and he could control? And, and as I said earlier, you know, look, Mike Mayock knows the man he married into with John Gruden. But the truth of it is, if you're offered one of those 32 jobs, because I can't even apply this to David Culley, right? If David Culley going into the Houston Texans job had an inclination of, hey, Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play here. So guess what? That, that star quarterback that you'd love to sign up and have as a head coach he ain't going to play here this year. The roster's a little bit bare. We're probably going to have to start a rookie quarterback that's a third-round pick. Could be some growing pains there. You know, 
you have to sit back and wonder, am I ever going to get another shot to do this? And it's hard to turn that down. I mean, one of the things that came out after David Collier was fired was, hey, maybe the writing was on the wall when he signed the contract. He only had two years of guarantees within that, that contract, which is, I don't want to say unheard of, but it's seldom you see that only because that's why some head coaches are like, yeah, I'm going to take a year or two off because I've got a bunch of money guaranteed. in this golden parachute that's guaranteed, <laughs> right. right? Right. That wasn't the case for David Coley. Unless you but, catch on, right? Yeah. I got but, five more years of y'all. Yeah, I got five one. more years to go fishing on a boat somewhere and drink hey, some Mai Tais. But, hey, but, Dan Snyder had a whole bunch of dudes on vacation at one yeah, point in time. Think yeah, about absolutely. It. There, was probably, there was probably a fired coaches from Dan Snyder like vacation <laughs> deal. Like everyone, everyone got together on boats, went on a big yes. fishing trip. They're so over. Someone toasted it to little Danny. The reality is, if you get offered one of those two jobs, I mean, LeVar, right now, if the, if the Las Vegas Raiders came to you and said, hey, we want you to be our general manager, and you're like, huh, I don't, I don't really have much many qualifications for this, but sure, sign me up. Like, like yeah, I'll figure yeah. it out, right? Like, yeah. you're not saying no to that. And but so regard- I'm going to make sure, like you just said, I'm going to make sure my, I got guarantees. <laughs> yeah, you because are. At least a couple years. You're not going to not guarantee me bringing me into a volatile situation. And, 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 and listen, I know we get into uh, shots out to, to the doctor, you know, the good doctor yesterday being his day. I know we're talking about inclusion. I know we're talking about race relations and doing things perceivably the right way based off of giving opportunity. I could care less if I was black, white, yellow or purple. If I'm walking into a volatile, turbulent scenario where you want me to perform right now, like a David Colley did, like a Mayock did, I'm going to do exactly what John Gruden did. You're going to pay me out the nostril, out the nostril. And you know what? And it's going to be guaranteed or I'm not doing it because it's career suicide is what it is. David Colley walked into career suicide. And here's what's sad about that is even if he was able to convince Deshaun Watson to want to play, Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play this year. He was not going to touch the field this season. And if that is the case, then what did it even matter that David Colley was able to convince the guy that he should play other than to say if everything goes away and there's a settlement that now Deshaun Watson wants to still come back and play for Houston. That makes a little sense. But if that wasn't the case and Deshaun Watson still wants out, then this Houston Texans team is still at the start of, of the board. Right. They have not right. come off a start. But, but this is beside the point. The point is this. If you were offered one of those jobs, though, I'm taking it. Gonna, I just need the guarantee. Yeah, I need the sure. guarantee, though. <laughs> and, 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 that, and that's for <laughs> a separate conversation. Yeah, because I'm, I'm saying, not going to talk crazy about you, me you on this radio show. Like VAR left us to go do this, and well, his, no, we his, ain't talking crazy and about it was that, so like, crap. Like, look <laughs> at what he did. Look at look at the job he did. Like, I'm glad he got paid. I hope he comes back and does the show with us. You know what <laughs> no, I mean? But yeah. man, no, you did a horrible job. No, I got paid. I got paid. I'm good. I'm going to take a few years off. I would. I would come back and say that. I would come back and say that. I certainly would. But, but would. again, to, to, the, to, the, to the earlier point, it is about the fact that you got offered one of those 32 jobs. And so with people saying, well, he knew what he was getting himself into when he went there, take that may chance. be the case. But you do the same thing. 
Everyone would do the same thing because it could it could turn out it, it could turn out different. There's it, always sure. the chance it could turn out. And, different. And I actually sure. think I actually think uh, Mayock and Coley walk away from this. And I think people that actually understand what was going on 100%. don't don't fault them for what the hell happened in the situation no, they, they don't. were at. Yeah, like, they don't. And, and you know what, man? Mayock walked out. That team was in a playoff game with an opportunity to tie or win it late in that game. I just he actually you know, should thank Mark Davis. I'm like, thank you. 100%. This is yeah. Like, I mean, I, I would have stayed around for another year but if, if this if, if you're gonna let go of me in a year from now anyway then let me move on to a better opportunity somewhere it, else it's uh, personally two- i missed him uh doing the drafts anyway so yeah he's awesome he comes back he's yeah, really yeah. good at that be sure to catch live editions of two pros in a cup of joe with brady quinn lavar errington and jonas knox weekdays at 6 a.m eastern 3 a.m pacific Mike check. Hey, Mike check. Do hey. you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. One of the, uh, I think, maybe the biggest storyline and takeaway from uh, Super Wildcard Weekend is uh, whatever the hell that was that the Dallas Cowboys rolled out there uh, in the Jerry Dome on Sunday. Just phenomenal television <laughs> through and through. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, fallout from that. What's the future going to be like? Uh, we heard uh, Stephen Jones saying that Mike McCarthy, uh, he doesn't anticipate there being any sort of an issue with Mike McCarthy moving forward as far as in, 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 in his employment. Uh, Mike McCarthy talked after uh, after <laughs> I'm the confident. game. Yeah, He'll and, be back. And look, I mean, th- 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 <laughs> this this was Mike McCarthy uh, right after the game, and apparently he was uh, ahead of everybody else. Uh, here was the uh, very confident Dallas head coach after that meltdown on Sunday. Mike, there were a couple of questions asked to Jerry Jones, both directly about your future as well as about overall coaching preparedness in this football game. To each of those questions, he basically said, I don't even want to go there. Do you have any concerns about your future? I don't have any concerns. I'm proud to be standing here today. Proud of my football team. There it is. I mean, look at and he knew what he was talking about. I mean, uh, Stephen Jones comes out, he confirms that, says there's nothing to that worry I'm about confident. here. I mean, Brady, it feels he like we're say all there's good. no doubt about it. Yeah. I, 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 here's a conspiracy theory for you. If you could, could we strike okay, up we the conspiracy Uh-oh. theory? Yes. The here Robert we go. Stack I, yes. I got to turn yeah. the lights out in the studio. Here we go. Yes. So this is where I think it all began. Do you remember the sleepover that Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones had? Back when he was being interviewed, he came down, he stayed in Jerry's world. Kind of reminds me. He looks like a a Jones. McCarthy looks like a Jones, by the way. (laughs) Like he could be one of the sons. (laughs) But go ahead. I mean, I guess maybe if. uh, Well, he seems a little little thicker in the face. He's a little thicker in the face, but, you know. I mean, it, that could have been due to a diet of cheese there. curds during his time yeah. in Wisconsin. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, well, cheese curds uh, are good. Uh, by the way, there's, n- there's nothing really worse. Good. There's nothing worse when it gets cold than cheese curds. Those are awful when they get cold. That, that's actually a great smoked. call. Yeah. It, it really isn't good. But yeah. I, I digress. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember the sleepover during yes. that interview? Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I think something happened. I think oh, something wow. happened. Jesus. Mike McCarthy found out some sort of intel. And now he can stand up there him. at that podium and say, yep, I'm not going anywhere. 
because he knows he knows what could come out. He knows what could shake loose if, huh. if he decides to to let me go. So, so I don't it's know. Worse, I, I, it's worse than Jim Irsay in his cowboy boots and his cowboy hat. <laughs> right. Leaning, leaning up against a pole in his room singing. Well, first off, that's, that's just a, with a, a three-and-a-half-man band. That's just three-and-a-half-man yeah. band. That's how that works. Okay. Now, do you think okay. – uh, I'm, right. I'm just throwing something out there. I'm not trying to uh, accuse anybody of anything, but do you think that Mike McCarthy maybe got confirmation that Jerry Jones has indeed had plastic surgery done? Is that is that where we're going with this? I mean, he might have walked I mean, in I'm, on it by accident. Okay. The, the whole thing. Process of one yeah, being done. It's like oh. vanilla but I'm sky. also not not going that direction. I mean, I think it's all on the table. <laughs> it's like vanilla I mean, sky. Dude, it's all on the table. Face. No, I think that's a that's an obvious. There there has to be something more here. If you're if we're going to put the, the the music on like this, there has to be more to the conspiracy theory than just plastic. Surgery. Can I admit yeah. this? And now yes, we're kind of done can. with the conspiracy theory. Come on, let's do it. I uh, I'm still in shock <laughs> that that was the decision in play call. Like I, I know we're a couple <laughs> tell us, days. Tell removed. us, tell us about it. Tell us, tell well, us about. Okay, because they're still in denial about it. You do know that, right? Dak Prescott mainly. They're oh, yeah, still in the, denial okay, that the so referee here, jacked this up. Right, and, and here's and this is why I think it's the dumbest argument or excuse to make whether it's Mike McCarthy or Kellen Moore, or Dak Prescott. So in 2013, I was with the Seahawks. We did one of those like deep dive off-season studies into end-of-game situations, in particular, what to do with however many seconds on the clock and no timeouts or however many seconds on the clock and one timeout. And we came to the conclusion that if you have any less, any less than 16 seconds on the clock and no timeouts, you should not be making it a decision to run a play inbounds and expect to be able to clock it. All right? Why might you ask that? There's a litany of reasons, okay? Besides the fact that you've got to have a sense of urgency from all 11 players on the field on offense to get lined up, okay? There's a wild card in this instance, all right? And that could be one of many things. But in particular, the officials, where yeah. you can't bank on the officials being, being yeah. able to move with the same urgency was, that you're going to move with. He was so far away, Brady. He was, but the reality is, even in that instance, he wasn't out of position because unless Dak walked back to him and said, I am going to declare myself down after I run for 10 yards, and then I'm going to get up and spike it. So unless he let the official know before the play, which obviously he didn't, they're, they're not in the know to be able to then rush up and know exactly what you're trying to do. And by the way, you can do that. Literally, before a play, if let's just say you had, a, you had a timeout left and there's seven seconds on the clock, which is the other, hey, if there's seven seconds and you've got a timeout, you can run one play successfully and get down and call a timeout. And exactly what you'd say to the official is, hey, Mr. Official, I'm going to throw this pass. When he catches it and gets down, we're calling a timeout immediately. He's declaring himself down. I'm telling you that right now. You can do that. And, and so the, the reality to the situation is they should have never ran a play with 16 seconds left and no timeouts that was going to be in the field of play with yeah. the clock running. <laughs> you, you had two options. You throw it to the end zone and take a couple shots. 
or you throw it to the sidelines or you design a play that gets the ball carrier like a screen, for example, that's going to be able to go up against that, that fence defense, as they call it, where they guard the sideline to get out of bounds. And, and the fact that Mike McCarthy, for all the experience he has calling plays, being a head coach, Kellen Moore, for the wonder boy that he is as a play caller and potential head coaching candidate, and Dak Prescott for his experience, the fact that none of them had a second thought that this might not be a good idea because even though it's a low percentage chance we win the game anyway, we're still taking the chance away completely if we do this. It, it blew my mind they still decided to do that even two days after the fact. You know what blows my mind is that there's almost like this this idea. It's like, oh, my gosh. Like, they totally, they totally messed us up on winning the game. But like, no, they didn't. Yeah. You ran out of time. <laughs> Who in, in their right mind thinks that they were going to get in the end zone? Like, is there a chance? Yes. What are the, what's the likelihood of that? I don't know. I really don't know what that likelihood is, fellas. It's almost like, oh, like if they run the play, if, the, if, that, if that clocked ball had worked, they're getting into the end zone. It's like it, you didn't get to the one-yard line and try to clock the ball. <laughs> you didn't get to the half-inch line, the zero mark on the field, and clock the ball. That was still what, – what, what was that, like a 30-yard a yard play or something to that effect? It, it, it would have been roughly – you'd have 25-plus yards. I believe he was short of the, even the 25. I mean, and, 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 and listen, it's doable, right? It's doable, but to sit there and say, like, there's this foregone conclusion that one led to the other. Like, well, all right, we get it. You get one more chance. I I'll get just it. say this, too. Like, I've been more critical than probably most on the officiating throughout the season and even the playoffs. Um, and you can go check my Twitter timeline yeah, about that. Borderline but cruel, I would say. Th- as a this of is fact. one. But I, I always make sure to include the NFL officiating account on it. <laughs> the uh, the truth is, this isn't even an instance where like I, I'm, I can be critical about anything because they they, they officiate it in the proper manner. And, and it's, it really is on the onus of the Dallas Cowboys. If you have to blame the officials for the way that game went, then you were desperate. You were desperate for finding yeah. reasons as to why you didn't succeed as a team this season with all that talent, all that ability, and losing in your home stadium to, yeah, granted, a San Francisco 49ers team who got hot at the end of the season – but a game in which you were favored to win, you should have won, and you had a crappy performance, you got out-coached, you got out-executed and out-played, that's the bottom line, and they've got to stare themselves in the mirror and realize that at some point. Yeah, they can sit there and have misdirected anger all they want towards the officials, and we got jobbed, and, and, and all the blame whoever you want. Fact of the matter is, you trailed and got beat wire-to-wire wire at home in a playoff game to a quarterback with one hand and a sprained shoulder. Older. Like that, the, the the official. That's not the official's fault. That was a bad performance. They looked like crab, and we were texting at the time. We said, "That's it." Like even when it went down ten nothing, thirteen nothing, we were on a text chain going. This feels like that's a wrap. Like you're starting to get the vibe that you can tell where a Dallas Cowboy game is going to go really early on, and it felt like right from the jump they were not ready to go in that game, and San Francisco ate them alive. Can Sorry. I give a? Can I give an MVP award? To Dustin Perry. Do we know who Dustin Perry is? Uh, who's that? Dustin Perry is the 49ers 
strength and conditioning coach. Now, it was, it was stated going into the game that, that the 49ers play bully ball. That, that was what it was called. And my baby jumped out there and said that bullies get bullied where I'm from. I, I loved it. I, I, I really, really subscribe to it. But what I realized, and this is what really makes this 49ers team a dangerous team. My, 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 one of my parents brought this up to me. He's, he's uh, EJ Seniors, Levenberry Senior. Shots out to my man. Uh, do you realize how physically, like, hard and, and strong the 49ers looked out there? Did you see how they physically, like, just imposed their will on – on Dallas from the opening snap. So when I looked at it, when you start when you start paying attention to it, what really, really on top of this, like it's like okay, you got strategic approach. Cal Shanahan is is brilliant in how he calls offenses. Nobody will dispute that. But sometimes there's just raw force that's involved with what's taking place, and you have to be physically able to execute raw force. And that's what they did. They went into Dallas and they physically wore them out early. They didn't just wear them down. They wore them out. And that was that was apparent. And and so to me, sometimes we get so far into schematics and, you know, game plans and different things. And sometimes it's just really just an old fashioned ass whipping that takes place. And and sometimes it's just really based on the want and the understanding of where that came from. So shots out to the strength and conditioning coach for the 49ers. Yeah, they got uh, they got chewed up. That was uh, not not a good look uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. But now we get to wait. It's going to be a fun offseason for that uh, organization. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 